This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, this is The Property Show. This week, we are talking to Keith Ui. He is the new Group Managing Director at Knight Frank Malaysia, an international real estate consultancy. Of course, still the hot topic is Budget 2024, which was unveiled on Friday, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim's second time doing so after the revised 2023 iteration back in February. Uh, we are going to find out whether what was unveiled hit the mark or not as far as Malaysia's property sector is concerned. Welcome to the show, Keith. Thank you for having Having me, Keith. Before we go into the budget, let's start with you. Keith, you've been MD at Night Frank Malaysia for about 10 months now, since January this year. Talk to me about the challenges going into this job post-pandemic. What stands out to you most about how the property sector has changed and developed? Right. Um, firstly, I think um, I've gone into this role for the first 10 months, right? Uh, so it is rather interesting and yet challenging in terms of, um, you know, managing of the entire business itself. I think I was actually um, hitting up the, the Cambodia outfit earlier on and then subsequently I was I was transferred back to the Malaysia within like Frank itself. The primary differences between um, the Cambodia outfit versus the Malaysian outfit was um, Cambodian outfit was a sort of a new setup venturing into a new market altogether. So we started the business. In particular, my, my group founder as well as my chairman founded the Nike Frank Cambodia back in 2008. Back then, I think the market was definitely in an infancy stage and um, in terms of transactions, um, that's definitely um, nothing as structured as the Malaysian um, environment altogether. So the challenge, the biggest challenge is to, of course, to brand ourselves and mm. make a market for ourselves in a new environment in Cambodia. But in Cambodia, it's a country that's that has a lower GDP than than, than we have. They came out of a, a genocide that killed over two million people in the in the seventies. What sort of transformation did you see that prompted Knight Frank to actually want to set up a, a consultancy there? I think from my founder's perspective, I think um, they have found an opportunity where the the property market rather quite vibrant after, mm-hmm. you know, in the early 2000s as well as moving up right up to today. So if you look at back then, I think there were a lot of investors coming in, in particular the Koreans have actually invested quite heavily in the in the Cambodian market. Right. So it is very, very interesting and vibrant back then. Then comes 2009 where the Lemon Brothers crisis yes. and whatever not, then, you know, it, it does staple down a bit. And then um, gradually, I think um, right now, it is and very, very interesting market to, to look at. Interesting in what way? I mean, what sort of potential? Do you see potential good investments in, in Cambodia? And, you know, what pockets are we looking at? I think um, if you look at the property market as a whole, the residential market has actually picked up with the new introduction of new uh, sort of concepts and whatever not coming into the market stream. Right. right. So when we look at the market in Cambodia, it was probably about 20 years back in Malaysia. Okay. Um, so, so you know, there are a lot of opportunities that foreign um, developers 
could actually you know penetrate into the market and introduce new way of property concepts and whatever not into the market. How badly affected were they during the pandemic? Overall, I think when I had a quick chat with the country head um, of of the Cambodian outfit today, I think generally I think they had a hit. Um, you know. Nevertheless, I think, you know, globally, everyone got the hit, you mm. know, during pandemic. So I think, I think gradually now, uh, moderately, I think they are actually picking up back in terms of interest from, from, you know, the Chinese as well as, you know, other investors as well. Yeah. Zooming back into Malaysia, where you are in charge now, what sort of changes have you seen being adopted at Knight Frank Malaysia when you took over post-pandemic? I think overall, if I may share a bit of my journey, you know, in, in Knight Frank itself, I joined Nike Frank about 18 years ago and, you know, changes has been done. I think initially during the inception of Nike Frank Malaysia back in 2002, actually, um, and we just celebrated our 20th anniversary last year and we have grown. Um, We have grown tremendously in terms of size as well as, you know, our business as well. So I think our founders um, have actually established a great foundation um, towards the business. And I think for a new leader to take on, it is rather, you know, simpler as opposed to, to a new setup that, you know, we were talking about earlier. So yeah. after 20 odd years in Malaysia, one of your plans or your ambitions is to expand Knight Frank's presence in this country. Currently, your HQ is in KL. Uh, you have branches in Penang, Johor and Kota Kinabalu in Sabah. What will expansion look like to you? How long do you think this will take? Yes, so over the years, I think uh, we have actually um, expanded to Johor, Penang as well as Sabah. I think this year itself, we have actually um, had our presence in Sarawak. Mm-hmm. Um, we started off on the back of uh, an appointment that, um, you know, a, a property management appointment that actually um, give us an opportunity to actually venture into Miri itself and then covering the likes of Kuching's and, and the rest of the uh, Sarawak as a state, yeah. So you're looking a lot more towards East Malaysia. Why is that? It's not that we are looking at to the East, you know, but we have always been looking out for a presence in Sarawak. I think that was our missing link towards the entire group basis. On a business perspective, I think um, Sarawak was a missing link and, you know, this year, um, itself, it gives us an opportunity, a platform to actually, uh, you know, set up our presence in Sarawak itself. Yeah, we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive into Sarawak when we talk about the budget twenty twenty four assessment a little bit later. But uh, in the meantime, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's do a bit of a review of budget twenty twenty three specifically for the property market. What do you think about the objectives that were achieved and what didn't for the industry as a whole, as well as helping Malaysians own homes that came out of budget 2023 in February this year? All right. I think looking at the overall budget, I have to actually mention that probably kudos to the government for announcing an expansionary 2024 budget of close to about 394 billion surpasses the 2023 budget yeah, it's the you know, highest, earlier yeah. of this year, right? So um, I guess when we look at it, team as the economic reform empowering the people, I think um, it is evident that the government is determined to actually uplift the national economy and the people's well-being, in particular among, you know, giving more to the truly needy 
okay. in terms of. I think with that in mind, we have seen a further push, a shift from the current blanket uh, subsidies mm-hmm. uh, to a more targeted approach uh, aimed at improving the livelihood of the lower income group. In budget 2023, though, before we get into this, there were a lot of there was a lot of focus on the B40 and M40 groups uh, by way of income tax reductions to to address cost of living and maybe help put a little bit more money into their pockets. Uh, did you actually see this uh, as being able to help this group of people own homes in the past 10 months? I think it's a good start, uh, you know, a good approach to actually um, have a more targeted approach okay. to the um, low-income group. Whether does it um, help this group of, um, you know, people to own home, I think um, this budget, I think there's a limited measure in helping, um, you know, as a whole, you know, um, for the property sector itself, I think, you know, so... I'm also curious to see, you know, what does the government have to work with? I mean, from your assessment, how do you see Malaysia's property market performing in the first 10 months of this this year? I think if you look at the first 10 months itself, I think it is quite evident that the economic slowdown, you know, Malaysia GDP have actually moderated to about 2.9%, mm-hmm. all right, um, in comparison with, um, in comparison to last year, actually. And as well as you have mentioned, Keith, I think earlier on the rising prices as well, uh, the inf- inflationary pressure. And then um, with that, I think it does impact the purchasing power for most rakyat um, in Malaysia itself. And I think um, overall, I think um, on the property uh, sector itself, I think the oversupplied market yeah, in the selected market segment mm-hmm. um, and in selected localities, for example, the office retail uh, yeah. property market, the imbalance in supply and demand continues to put pressure right on rentals as well as the occupancy level. Uh, similarly, I think um, if you look at the, the high-end, uh, high-rise residential project, uh, challenges remains due to the high supply. Um, limited targeted market due to affordability as well. You're listening to The Property Show. We are having a chat with Keith Ui, Knight Frank, Malaysia's Managing Director. In a little while, let's find out how much Budget 2024 tabled last Friday can move the needle for Malaysia's property sector. This is BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, welcome back to The Property Show. In the studio with me this morning is Keith Ui, Knight Frank, Malaysia's Managing Director. Now, Keith, moving on to Budget 2024, let's start with an overview. What stood out for Knight Frank for the property sector in next year's budget? Let's look at the overall budget. There's uh, limited measures to boost the property market as a whole. Yeah. So, But um, having said so, I think let's dive into more on, on some allocation um, yeah. announcement that was made earlier, I think. When we look at the allocation for implementation of people housing project, it does benefit. I think it is a positive move from the government to benefit the B40 group as well as the gig economy workers, etc. Another announcement that um, stood out was probably the housing credit guarantee scheme to be expanded up to 10 billion ringgit. This, I think, it will benefit about 40,000 borrowers. You know, this could encourage actually potential home buyers to fulfill their home ownership dreams um, with. 
So this housing credit guarantee scheme, you're talking about the SJKP, the scheme Jaminan Credit Perumahan. There was already quite a generous allocation in 2023. What sort of impact did you do you think that had on the property market since it was announced? So I think the additional five billion, I think mm. previously was the allocation was about five billion. And with this new announcement of additional five billion, I think as I said, I think it could benefit the majority of the um, new home buyers, probably that could actually, you know, take a benefit out of this, fulfill their home ownership dreams. I think yeah. it was also to help those who are working in the gig economy who don't actually have papers to show banks when they want to take out a loan, yeah. right? The challenges for people like this, um, how do you see it improving going forward? I mean, banks are still going to be just as strict, I, I reckon. Interest rates still uh, on the higher side. Uh, it's going to still be a challenge, right? When we talk about interest rate, I think um, this is a very interesting uh, topic. What we have seen was, you know, during the pandemic, it the interest rate have actually cut right up to, you know, um, way the lowest point um, ever that we have. But I think uh, what escalated up right now is actually at the level at where we were, you know, uh, pre-pandemic, you know. So I think um, it is evident to, uh, for us this allocation will generally benefit, as you said, I think the gig economy workers that right. do not have a stable income or, you know, to show the financial institution on on their fundings and whatever not, you know, for them, the affordability. I think this will generally have a stopgap measure to, to, to actually, you know, um, put in to actually ensure all those people in this sector will be able to actually, um, you know... Own their own homes. Own, own their own homes, yeah. yeah just for the sake of argument, so, I mean, we've had conversations with different groups of people, especially in this day and age when property prices are just going one way and that's up and uh, salaries are not rising just as, just as quickly. What's your thought on whether it is better to buy or just to rent at this point in time? Yeah, so um, if you look at the working environment today... It's not necessary, you know, my own opinion is not necessary for an individual to actually own property itself. The whole perspective of requirement of a property, you know, moving forward is, you know, rather shift. Um, yes. You know, an individual, um, the benefit of not owning an asset or property by way of even renting it, could actually be beneficial because you could actually work from anywhere. And in today's millennial age, you know, uh, job hopping and changing have also quite rampant in the market. So, you know, today you may be in, in Kuala Lumpur. In a couple of months or years' time, you probably end up in Penang. So, you know, if you had an investment home in Kuala Lumpur, then it does not serve the... You it know, will tie you the, down. Yeah, yeah, correct. So so I think the flexibility moving forward will give an option for, you know, um, everyone to think about whether renting is a better option than buying an asset. Yeah. One thing in Budget 2024 that struck me as well is this decision to impose 4% stamp duty on any housing transactions involving non-Malaysians or private owned foreign organisations except for those who are PRs here. The way I see it is that this appears to be a measure to control property prices in, in the local market. But I would also argue that property prices are not rising as quickly as they used to. So your thoughts on this? Is, was this a good move or not? Yeah, I guess when we look at this stamp duty on transfer of ownership of real estate by non-citizen, yeah, uh, as well as foreign-owned uh, companies, I think it is 
counterproductive because to me, I think this stamp duty may discourage home ownership among the foreigners and investors. And of course, the you know application on the MM2H yeah. uh, participants, right? Um, That's the Malaysia My Second Home Program. Correct. Yeah. I think um, there was an announcement as well to relook in yeah. and, and to revamp in terms of the rigidness of the structure of MM2H. With that, I think overall for the stamp duty-wise, it is rather uninspiring to have it so that we must stay competitive to attracting foreign investors as well as more foreign bias from regionally as well. Yeah. Keith, I was also wondering, like Knight Frank, you guys are an international real estate consultancy. What do you make of the demand amongst foreigners for properties in Malaysia? Is there a, a demand? Do people actually want to buy properties here? Do they see it as a, as a viable uh, investment? If you look at it regionally, in terms of, of value for money, I think it is rather attractive in comparison with our neighbouring countries. We still see an interest from okay. foreign investors. It may not be a particular group of investors that is, um, you know, but we have seen new, probably new groups of foreign investors are actually looking into Malaysia as their new destination. Any particular country? Because what I have been noticing as well is that China is experiencing some form of, I wouldn't say crisis, but uncertainty in their property market. Is that in any way impacting Malaysia's? Yes, I would say in general, the China factor has has actually have their own sort of um, challenges back in their country, right? Yeah. So I think what we have seen, I think also recently we have actually picked up some surveys uh, conducted by Morgan Stanley, in their survey itself, Chinese household remains very, very cautious, you know, over the housing outlook, uh, despite the government slew of property easing measures that have been, you know, put out in their home country itself. On the same note itself, I think more than 80% of the surveyed household yeah. remain unwilling to enter the housing market, all right, and unsure about doing so when asked about the property purchase plans. When you look at the entire Chinese investors coming in, you will see less of that in the short term, okay. I would say. But having said so, I think what we have noticed also on the ground itself from our agents, a new group from the Taiwanese are actually looking into our region as well as their next destination for residential investments. Here's hoping that they will move the needle for us. <laughs> Before the break, we were talking about Sabah and Sarawak and there was an allocation totaling 12.4 billion ringgit set aside for those two states. Just 300 million more than previously aimed at development projects and grants. These two states typically see little way of improving real estate prices. Do you think this might change, you know, with the... First of all, we've got the Pan-Borneo Highway and Indonesia announced their new capital on the same island. What's your take on it? I mean, before the break, you said Knight Frank is already looking at possible expansion to, to the state. If you look at Sabah Sarawak itself, any sort of major infrastructure development, it will definitely benefit. Whatever that has been existing it will definitely unlock property values within, yes. you know, vicinity of the alignment of the entire mega project itself, right? So I'm quite optimistic with the revival of, of more developments pouring into actually um, Sabah and Sarawak itself. We may see a, a, a change in terms of property development as well as um, the values may eventually improve here. 
And uh, finally, now that we are just a couple of months away from uh, the new year, what is your outlook for the property sector in 2024? Like, I mean, depends on who you read. 2024 is expected to be overall a challenging year, more so than 2023. We are looking at high interest rates, likely slower economic growth. And, you know, we talked about China's property market as well. What's your outlook like? Given the current challenging global economic outlook, I may, you know, refer to the external factor itself. Mm -hmm. We remain, I think, cautiously optimistic moving forward with uneven growth or even recovery among the various property subsector itself, right? So um, what we have seen also, there are a renewed interest in Johor Bahru property market with the ongoing, you know, RTS development as well as the HSR that has been actually revised on the plans itself. I think all this will be a game changer for the economic development and property sector in the southern region itself. Keith, thank you for your insights. Thank you. On the property show today, I have been picking the brains of Keith Ui, the managing director for Knight Frank Malaysia, for his thoughts on budget 2024 and other property issues. If you've missed any part of this conversation, you can download the podcast on the BFM app, which you can find on the Apple App Store or Google Play. We are also on Spotify. I'm Keith Kam. This is BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.